0: And a good coaching and managerial career in terms of experience. As Bias sends one high and deep to center, it is gone on the berm.
1: Welcome in to Monday Madness Sports Talk, your award-winning radio show. Starting off the week right. Here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
2: Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
1: Illinois, my name is Noah Festenstein, your host of Money Mass Sports Talk, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Here we go, it is episode 163, all the way from Harper College Radio right here to Radio DePaul Sports. Have a great one planned today, all the way up until 1230 as always. Starting off at 11.05, we'll be doing some MLB spring training, talk some baseball, get up into that, feeling that warm weather in the air this weekend, and this week especially here in Chicago, so we're getting that, kind of that tease up into spring, if you know what I mean, like today, what, How, how warm is it outside? I went outside with my winter jacket, I was like, dang, it's warm, and it's 44 degrees outside right now. Um... And the only time it's supposed to really be bad weather this week is on Wednesday, and that's when it's supposed to supposedly snow at a high of 42 degrees. So uh, I feel like we have passed the uh, eye of the storm in terms of the winter, so that's really good. Um, but every single Sunday that I've worked, in terms of which it's been like 55-plus degrees, especially yesterday, I've been working. I was inside, so like I haven't had the chance to like enjoy the weather as much as maybe the next person has. So uh, it's getting there. But what I can really enjoy... Is that of baseball, which of course, like I said, starting at 11:05, talk some Spring Training, talk some Cubs. What you just heard before the show was Javier Baez going deep for his first home run of the spring. Also earlier in the game, he had a really, really good tag play on a steal attempt. Uh, So we're seeing the same old. Javier Baez, maybe a more enhanced Javier Baez, um, which is really good. I'll get more into that discussion when the time comes for baseball. Um, but after baseball, I got a hockey, or I'm sorry, not hockey, a basketball segment. I'm uh, going to be talking some NBA standings, talk some DePaul basketball, maybe talk some AP Poll Top 25 uh, and all of those sorts. I might want to even touch upon the Kobe Bryant uh, tribute events that happened um, at the Staples Center last week in Los Angeles. It happened literally two hour, hours after I ended episode 162. So um, I want to maybe get into that as well in my basketball segment today. And then at 11.35, I got a pre-recorded segment. It is with myself, Noah Festacy, and former co-host of Money Mass Sports Talk, Blaze Mesa. Him and I talked about fall Dodgeball, we talked about DePaul basketball, too, but I'm not going to put it in that segment today. Uh, we talked a lot. We talked a lot. We, talk, we had a 45-minute podcast. Uh, thank you to WCRX, uh, Columbia College's radio station, 88.1 FM. Uh, who uh, recorded that podcast, and I'm going to share some of it here on the show today. So about 20 minutes on that. At 11:35, at 11:55, I'm going to start talking hockey, and then uh, maybe talk some standings on that, and maybe some Blackhawks as well. And then a lot around 11:10, got some UFC MMA had an event this past weekend, and then of course this upcoming weekend is UFC 248. We'll talk to UFC 248 as well on that. But um, it's going to be a great show. I can feel it. I'm really excited. Feeling it today. Hopefully it'll be a good one. As always, it's just these shows keep getting better and better, and I love it. It's just great. So let's get it off on the right foot with some baseball today as I'm gonna send you guys to a quick break. But when I come back, it is baseball. Right here on Money Mass Sports Talk. Radio DePaul Sports Student Voice of yours, the Blue Demons.
2: Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one. Oh, Max Drews springs down the house. Radio
0: DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball.
2: Oh, big Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Devils.
1: You are currently listening to your Radio DePaul Sports award-winning radio show, Monday Madness Sports Talk. Awarded for Best Use of Social Media and nominated for Best Overall Show. Always online with Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Streaming from Radio to Paul Sports, the student voice of yours, Paul Blue Demons. Is
2: this really
1: life? Welcome back to Monday Man of Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festenstein, taking you into the baseball segments. It is with Real Life the Ocean Remix from Mako Morgan Page. Going to be playing that on Noah at night on Thursday night, every Thursday night from 11 to midnight. Let's get it going. So baseball, like I said, I uh, played the audio before the show. The Javier Baez home run, the first of which in his spring training. Um, thank you to MLB.com for that audio. I was able to present. Uh, so today, the Chicago Cubs are playing split squad. I think this is the first time they'll be playing split squad. Um, this spring training, uh, at two Oh five today, they'll be playing up against the angels of Anaheim, Los Angeles angels. Now, of course, being coached by former coach Joe Madden of the Chicago cup. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, how Joe Madden is going to walk into Sloan park today with the Los Angeles angels and, uh, kind of hang out, you know, um, you know, see, see how he, tr- he treats the team coming back as an opposing coach. Um, I think it's be cool. It'll be, it'll be a cool thing to watch in, in the spring training matchup. And then, of course, with the split squad action, that means another game for the Chicago Cubs, but that'll happen six hours later than the start time for that one against the Angels. It is up against the Oakland Athletics. The Chicago Cubs will be playing up against them tonight um, on the road at 8.05. So we got some split squad action for today's Chicago Cubs. Um, So, yeah, getting excited for some MLB action here. Um, And, by the way, If you guys want to watch this segment on Instagram Live, I'm literally, as we speak, setting up the Instagram Live right now so you guys can tune in and look at me while I'm doing radios. So check that out on my Instagram, at nfestie97. That's at nfestie97. It is the Instagram Live segment here for about another 11 minutes here talking some baseball. Um, So like I was explaining, Javier Baez... eh, eh, you know with his early performances in the spring, and I'm including other names too is like they they're already on a very good start. they're 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 hitting when they need a hit. they're proving that they should be in the starting lineup. And they're setting standards for other players who are fighting for roles on this team, and that's what I like about Javier Baez and those guys, especially in the middle infield with Chris Bryant and even Anthony Rizzo at first base, is that they're setting standards for those guys who are coming up um, as prospects, and they're fighting for roster roles, especially when you have a first-year manager and David Ross, who um, you know needs to fit, pick out these guys and, and and organize this team in order to you know uh, have a really good, well-rounded team. Uh, He's going to have to rely on those guys like Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, even the outfielders, Kyle Schwerber, Jason Hayward to set standards and uh, um, really show to the players who want to fill roles like Nico Horner, even that of Jason Kipnis and all those guys who want to fill roles is to like play very well so that the other guys so that that can become contagious and the other guys can play well alongside with them. And I think that's a good start for this a good starting point to this conversation about the Cubs right now as we are talking about spring training is you, you see other guys at the Chicago Cubs roster perform. Like, you got guys who I've never heard of just hit home runs after home run and uh, making good plays uh, in the field. And um, I'm not really focused on the record, first of all, um, in terms of spring training. I mean, looking at the the standings in terms of spring training, the Cubs are in the middle of the Cactus League standings. And they have, what, uh, four wins and five losses. So I'm not worried about that. I'm really worried about individual performances because uh, I want to make sure that David Ross has enough uh, breathing room in terms of saying, hey, I need to place this guy there. I need to place this guy there. Uh, Those are tough decisions that a manager needs to make in order to make a well-rounded team. So that's going to be very um, a very good starting point in talking about what David Ross is going to do. So I I, I think that the starting lineup for the Chicago Cubs team, as we are discussing the forty man roster for the Chicago Cubs, I might get into some White Sox soon too. So don't step away if you're a White Sox fan. Um, so Jason Hayward the other day had a home run robbery. Uh, he came up big. So that those are some other big types of plays that Jason Hayward and other guys that like to make in the outfield is those types of uh, um, big plays that really kind of inspire other players on the team to play better. So, um, And, of course, Jason Hayward showing off his gold glove uh, capabilities, and that's something you want to see out of your guy um, in spring training. Uh, Today, Kyle Hendricks is going to take them out, and the splits will go out action, so I want to see how Kyle Hendricks is going to pitch up against him, see how his fastball's working. I want to see if he can uh, at least um enhance his fastball velocity. I think Kyle Hendricks needs to uh, speed up his pitches a little bit so that it can add a little bit more spice to his arsenal. Um, that might be a good idea for uh, Kyle Hendricks when you kind of consider him in the starting pitcher role. Um, so let's look at the 40-man roster, see who uh, um, is competing for what. Um, let's start out with the infielders. You got Javier Baez, David Bode is also considered infielder, Chris Bryant, Daniel Desgaso, Robel Garcia, Nico Horner, Anthony Rizzo, and Zach Short. So, all those names are pretty good, if you ask me. Um, because I'm looking at those infielders, and you also got a guy who's named Jason Kipnis who's not even on that list. Um, I like Robel Garcia. I like Nico Horner. Those are guys that you want to see step up in spring training so that you have options uh, down uh, beyond the regular season 25-man roster. Um, you're going to have to rely on a guy like Nico Horner. Nico Horner is probably going to start in AAA this season, but he's going to come up. Um, he's going to fill in a big role in middle infielder alongside Javier Baez. Javier Baez is probably going to play with a guy like maybe Daniel Descalso. to start off the season in terms of battery mates or even that Jason Kipnis. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's a very big possibility. Let's look at the outfielders: Albert Almora Jr., Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, Kyle Schwarber, and Steven uh, Souza Jr. So, like I said with Jason Hayward, he keeps proving every single time that he's a very, very gold standard defender. But can he be a, a, a standard in terms of uh, being a good batter? As a, last season, I would say considerably was his best season. Um, batting in terms of Jason Hayward because uh, he, he had his best average. He had a 251 average. He hit 21 home runs, and uh, that was in over just above 500 at bats. So that I, I think that Jason Hayward being above two fifty yet last year can only mean good for what he can do this year. Um, if he's making strides and he, he he's getting better in that regard, he I, I I don't think. I'm going to have a problem with him this year uh, performing for Jason Hayward. Uh, I think he's going to not have that much trouble as much as he's had in the past in terms of offensive production, but I might be wrong on that. We'll we'll see. I mean, um, I, it's going to take some time during the regular season to find that out. Um, okay, so let's look at Kyle Schwarber. Um, of course, he's got the pop. I think he's really the strongest he's ever been in his life is Kyle Schwarber. I think he's got a lot of potential in terms of having a 30 plus home run season this year. Um, and then you got a guy like Albert Amora Jr., who's got some speed in center field. It um, can provide a good bat in the lineup when he's hot. There's some points last year where Albert Amora was just really cold and he couldn't hit out of a plastic bag. Um, and he came up with a 236 average last year, which does not help this Cubs team whatsoever. So you want a guy like Albert Amora to, to step up from what he did last year. Um, and then Ian Happ, you have in the outfield as well, who was sent up and down from AAA uh, last year, up and down, up and down, up and down, but he, he proved his 264 batting average, um, but only 11 home runs. You want to see that guy have some more pop, um, see if he can um, provide some more offense in that regard. Um, and then Steven Souza Jr., pickup from last year. Um, I feel like he's a filling guy, easy filling guy. And then you got guys in the infield who can play outfield, like Chris Bryant, um, maybe even a Daniel Descalso. David Bode has done it, I think, once before. Um, so you got backups in that regard. Let's look at the catchers for the Cubs: uh, Miguel Amaya, Victor Caratini, Wilson Contreras. I talked about them last year, but uh, last week. But Wilson Contreras, um, that, that guy's a beast. We don't need to talk about that too far in. I talked a lot about Cubs pitching last week, so I'm gonna skip up on that because I feel like that the, the standing is still the same um so let's look at the White Sox um so the Chicago White Sox um they're doing pretty good in the Cactus League they, they they're five and three um and I, I think there's some notes to put on them uh in regards to some of the players uh that the White Sox kind of wants to see perform I, I would say that when I look at this roster especially this 40man roster uh for the White Sox uh is you you need guys, like Adam Engel, who has been hitting pretty well late in spring training, um, Luis Robert, uh, Luis Garcia. Those guys are, are very important it's in the outfield. I'm talking about outfielder specifically. I'm going to start off with that. Uh, but the White Sox have a lot of options out- out- outfielder. You got Mick, um, Micker Aldolfo, Luis B- uh, Basabi. Um, like I said, Adam Engel, Lurie Garcia, Eloy Jimenez, Nomar Mazzara. Nomar Mazara was a big pickup this past offseason. He kind of provides some good pop in the lineup there. Uh, Luis Robert and Blake Rutherford. Um, and then looking at the infielders, it's much more of a... Um, I, I, I don't know. It, they they have a lot of less infielders. Uh, not not many options in infield, but here it is. Uh, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Edwin Encarnacion, Danny Mendick, and Yohan Mankata. Um I'm interested to see how Edwin Encarnacion can do with the White Sox this season. I mean, last season um he posted 34 home runs and that was that's big. That's a poppy one in your lineup, but he only had 2.44 average. So, uh you look at a guy like Edwin Encarnacion, and you're looking for maybe a DH role. Uh I don't see him as much of an infielder as much, really. I see him more filling in uh, the DH role there. Uh, looking at the White Sox catchers, they have five options there Zach Collins, Yasmani Grandal, James McCann, Yermin, Mercedes, and Zabai Zavala. Um, and you got to like Yasmani Grandal, you got him for a reason. Um, in the three names: Zach Collins, Yermin uh, Mercedes, and Zabiv Zavala. Uh, those those three catchers are are really ha- they really have to fight for a roster spot when you're facing up against guys like James McCann and Yasmani Grandal. So um, I think in terms of catching, the White Sox are stacked, like massively stacked at catching, like like impressively stacked. Um, let's look at uh, I, I didn't talk about pitching last year. Or, um, um, last week for the White Sox, but I didn't realize that they had Steve Ciszek on their roster, uh, which is a former Cub there. So you got Steve Ciszek, um, Dylan Cease. Um, let's look at Carson Fulmer, Lucas Giolito, Gio Gonzalez, uh, and Dallas Keuchel, Michael Kopech, Ronaldo Lopez, Carlos Rodon. So those are all names that are like familiar with this White Sox team and just the MLB in general. So with the White Sox having these names on the roster is massive because um, simply speaking – This White Sox team needs these kind of well-renounced names. They got well-renounced names every single part of the lineup. Pitching, catching, infield. I honestly think that the White Sox catching could be the best in the American League right now. By far. Um, Infielding and outfielders all are are very well-renounced. I think this White Sox team, up and down, they have a complete roster. And I think that's something that the American League Central should keep on watch. But I really do believe that the Minnesota Twins um, and even that of the Cleveland Indians can beat off the White Sox this season. That's, of course, that the White Sox cannot find consistency early on in the season. I think that's a big goal for the White Sox when they have to consider maybe a, an above 500 season or maybe even that of an 85 plus winning season um, that can help them get into a playoff spot. Um, I, I feel like if the playoffs are going to be for the White Sox, it's going to be a wild card spot. So let's see how that fares out. I think my prediction with that is the White Sox is going to be a wild card uh, team this year. I don't think they can beat out the Minnesota Twins at the least. Um, but we'll see about that. We'll see. Okay, it 11:20, which I'm going to stop the baseball segment and my Instagram Live segment. Um, but looking forward to what's coming up next. I got some basketball standings to talk about. Some DePaul basketball. Um, talk about even some AP Top 25 and more here on Monday Man of Sports Talk. You are listening to Sach here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. I will be back in just a bit. Stay tuned.
0: It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. Oh. And there's the photo booth.
3: All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese.
0: Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another.
3: Can we get some extra ranch sauce?
0: Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So
3: what are we doing this weekend?
0: And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... Could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life
1: You're listening
2: to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to four and one. Oh, Max Drews springs down the house.
0: Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon
2: basketball. A oh. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Divas.
1: You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, every Monday from 11 to
2: 12.30,
1: right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Welcome back to Monday Madness Sports Talk. Right here on Radio Sports Student Voice of your DeFall Blue Demons. Bringing me into this one is Odessa, Draco, and Torres, All We Need, featuring Side Girls. Going to be playing this one on No at Nights from 11 to midnight on Thursday nights. Let's get into it with some basketball. I got the NBA standings pulled up right in front of me, so let's get in it down and dirty with some basketball. All right, all right, all right. Let's do it. Okay, so starting off with the Eastern Conference in the National Basketball Association, I got the Milwaukee Bucks, of course, the dominant factor last week. They were up 6.6 games in front of the Raptors. Now they're up 10 games in the Raptors. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks are on a ga- six-game winning streak. Giannis Antetokounmpo just cannot stop performing. And then you got the Toronto Raptors, who the other night um, was playing up in a very, very intense game uh, against the Charlotte Hornets. That was not the- Yesterday they played against the Raptors, or uh, played against the Nuggets, but the Raptors played against the Hornets at home on Friday. And uh, a very heartbreaking finish as uh, right at the ends. Uh, there was a th- I forgot who was the one who took that shot um was it Roger? I don't know who it was who did it but uh it was a last second shot that was from half court and it won the game and the entire crowd in Toronto just fell silent like they they thought they were gonna win but then a last second shot uh just fell in so um hey, you know that that as heartbreaking as it is that that's a really good basketball game. We're seeing a lot of great basketball games of late and uh um I'm kind of liking that. And then now as we're looking down at the Eastern Conference standings, we got the Boston Celtics at 41 and 18, just a half game back but uh behind the Toronto Raptors. Looking at the Miami Heat, they're 38 and 22, 14 games back, fourth place, fifth place is the 76ers, seventh uh sixth place is the Pacers, seventh place is the Magic, and eighth place is the Nets, and then from 9 to 15, you got the Wizards, Hornets, then Bulls, Pistons, Hawks, Knicks and then Cavaliers. So the Chicago Bulls being 20 and 40 at the 0.333 winning percentage, 31 32, sorry, gains back um behind first place. So that's just embarrassing for the Chicago Bulls being that now they're falling off the map. Obviously they shouldn't be in a playoff spot. They're what? 7 games behind a playoff spot with three teams in front of them and a couple teams behind them in the Detroit Pistons, Atlanta Hawks, New York Knicks and Cavaliers behind them that can also get to a spot. There's no chance that the Bulls are going to make the playoffs this season. I just think that it's time for them to uh, reconsider some rosters, maybe even some coaching. Um, I'm not a big fan of Boylan, so I- I'm not opposed to Boylan being let go um, because this is just another embarrassing season for the Bulls, in which they do have talent on this team. This is that talent does not be, it doesn't seem like that talent knows how to be treated. So, um, that's a conversation for another day. Um, let's look at the Western Conference standings. The Los Angeles Lakers do, um, have a tight lead against the Denver Nuggets at a a five-and-a-half game margin. And, uh, same thing with the Clippers, who are tied in terms of standings record with the Nuggets at 41-19. and They are five-and-a-half games back as well. Uh, the Houston Rockets, Utah Jazz, Oklahoma City Thunder, Dallas Mavericks, and Memphis Grizzlies all, um... Currently hold a playoff spot in the Western Conference, and then looking down from that, the New Orleans Pelicans, in which they are three games behind the Memphis Grizzlies for the eighth spot for the playoff spot, but also tied with the Sacramento Kings at th- twenty-six and thirty-four. But the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson, you saw that matchup with them and the uh, Los Angeles Lakers um, last night. Very exciting stuff. Um, you know, those are it's it, it kind of reminded me of watching. Michael Jordan play with Kobe Bryant a little bit cuz you're 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 seeing one legend kind of pass it off to the next potential legend in a guy like Zion Limit, L- Williamson and LeBron James. So that's just something cool you like to see. You got very young guys playing um with those veterans. You're playing against those veterans, you learn a lot from from Them being your, I mean, from any player who's played up against LeBron James, I'm sure has said that they learned a lot just by playing him. And uh, I think that says a lot about uh, certain basketball players. Okay, so um, looking as we finish the standings here, from 11 to 15 in the Western Conference, it's the Spurs, Trailblazers, Suns, Timberwolves, and then the Warriors. Thought Stephen Curry was going to come back from injury, but that was just a tease. Stephen Curry is not back. And the Warriors are 13 and 48, the worst team in the NBA so let's look at the AP Top 25 for basketball in the NCAA. Um, just want to make sure I am getting it. Okay, so let's look at it. Obviously, DePaul. I mean, when I was last time I was talking about the AP 25, I was arguing for DePaul to be in it, but now we don't have to as they are 14 and 15. I'll get to that in just a second. Um, but looking at the top twenty-five, the surprises here today, for me at least, is Illinois being twenty-three, Wisconsin being twenty-four, Michigan being twenty-five. Those are your big ten schools at the top of the list. And then you got three other big ten schools with Iowa at 18, Ohio State, and then Penn State. Um there's a couple teams on this list that DePaul has faced and almost beat. DePaul did beat um Iowa, who is the only team on this top twenty-five that DePaul has beat. Um, and then you got Kansas as number one. That is a good thing. I think that deservedly so. They should be number one. Gonzaga, number two. Dayton, number three. Baylor, number four. San Diego State, number five. They just recently got their first loss of the season. But I they don't play many good teams in the, in, in the NCAA. So I'm interested to see how the San Diego State team plays in the, in the tournament. Um, and then you got Kentucky, Florida State, Seton Hall, Maryland, Louisville, Creighton, Duke, Oregon, Villanova, BYU, Michigan State, Auburn, And then down the list it goes. So I've just named out the entire AP 25. If there's any rebuttal by me, I would say Illinois. I don't see how they're in the top 25 at 20 and 9. But that is beyond me. Even Wisconsin for that matter. I know those are two good teams. But top 25, maybe consider Butler a little bit. UCLA has been playing very well. Texas Tech, maybe. Um, Yeah, I just, I don't know. I I I don't see Illinois in the top twenty-five for me. I, I maybe that's just me. I don't know. But let's 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 discuss some DePaul basketball here as they finally um, at I mean it was kind of inevitable at this point with the way that they've been playing is that they have finally reached the under five hundred mark. They're fourteen and 15, 10th in the Big East, and with that loss the other night against Butler, DePaul has officially locked the tenth spot in the Big East. So they are going to be the last seed in the Big East tournament. Con tournament time, and it doesn't seem like they'll be making any tournament, and, uh, Pantelis will be shaving his head more than likely. So, um, hey, I uh, got two more games left, one more last home game, that's tomorrow against Marquette at home, and then they're on the road against Providence, in which a game that they could've won the first time, in which I did live gov- game coverage here on Ready to Paul Sports for, um, so yeah, um DePaul Marquette tomorrow I'm excited to watch that game with uh Marcus Howard coming into WinTrust and uh, I I know I'll probably be there tomorrow uh to watch that game it's gonna be fun I'm looking forward to it um so yeah that would be DePaul basketball for you really in a nutshell um I'm not really proud about this men's basketball team right now um uh, aside from many other DePaul basketball fans here at DePaul um but I said it last week, the expectation factor here going into the season wasn't even to go far at all into the tournament or, or any tournament at all. And um, I think expectations have been met. Just were teased a little bit with that 12-1 and start. That's it. That's how I feel about it. Um, yeah, it sucks. 12-1 and going 12-1, and beating top 25 team in terms of Iowa, maybe Butler at number five when they were number five. You know, just, I don't know, man. I don't know. DePaul, I, I can't believe DePaul doesn't beat Butler when Butler do, isn't even ranked. Like, Butler wasn't even ranked. And they're 29. They've beaten better teams than Illinois has. I don't know how they are not in the top 25. I would give Butler the top 25. I don't know. I like Illinois basketball. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think they should be in the top 25 right now. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Um, So, that's really DePaul men's basketball. But on the other hand, DePaul women's basketball... Um, have been playing a little bit interesting of late. Um, being that they've had a couple of losses, I think they're on a losing streak. If I'm correct, um, yeah. So they end the they end the season. DePaul does on a losing streak. You know, DePaul was on a big winning streak. What 10 plus games before they lost the last two games. The uh, Paul is coming off of their 87 69 win over Georgetown on the 21st, and then on the 23rd they lose to Villanova 76 58, and then yesterday. In Marquette, DePaul was coming back, and then they couldn't come back against Marquette. Marquette beating them 90-83. to So what does this look like in the Big East tournament for DePaul? Well, on the flip side from DePaul men's basketball, DePaul women's basketball is ranked number one in the Big East tournament, and um, they're going to have an upper hand in this tournament. Uh, I just don't know who's going to be the biggest Competition for this DePaul Blue Demons women's basketball team uh, in this Big East tournament, but they definitely did ha- finish better than they. Uh, they definitely do have a better record than they did last year. At least I think better performance than they did last year. Just something about this team, I think, is going to really take um, take the Big East tournament crown once again. They got the Big East tournament, uh, Big East regular season crown. I think it's going to be well complemented with the tournament, especially being at Trust Arena once again at uh, on home soil deservedly so being that DePaul has won so uh it is starting this Saturday on the 7th the biggest tournament at home uh DePaul will be playing playing at 12 o'clock but the team will be to be determined because of the wild card round that has to uh um happen before DePaul figures out who they're going to be playing so yeah it's DePaul women's basketball there um sucks to see that they had to lose the last two games but I feel like they were kind of Stepping back a little bit, making sure that their top players don't get too much court time with risk of the injury, and uh, um, of course, you know, giving some other players some chances as the season unwinds. The Paul Basketball, the Paul Basketball knows that they're in the tournament. They know that they're going to be number one in the Big East tournaments. Okay, so that's basketball for you, NBA and NCAA basketball. Going to get into a pre-recorded segment next. I will introduce the segment when I come back from break. This is Noah Festenstein, host of Money Mass Sports Talk, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue demons. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group.
0: That's right, a group known especially for the couch snuggling, ball chasing, face licking, and of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with this person. That's actually known as the Treat Stare. How intuitive, and now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance so coming with this group? But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit the theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randall is doing everything...
2: In reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. Years 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben Has mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. Betty can't say that in reverse.
1: Welcome in to Monday Madness Sports Talk, your award-winning radio show starting off the week right. Here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Oh!
2: Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Deep.
1: Welcome, welcome back to Monday Man of Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festenstein. My transitions have been a little off today, so I apologize about that, as I was just literally playing uh, the pre-recording segment as I was about to... Um, I pressed the space button when I wasn't supposed to. Um, but it's okay. We're good. We're going to play it very in, in a couple seconds here. Um, so, a little bit of background of this pre recording. It's about 20 minutes. Um, it was last Tuesday that I met up with former co host Blaze Mesa uh, of Money Mass Sports Talk. He was the first co host of Money Mass Sports Talk back when it was in episode 18, I believe. Uh, so, episode 18, back in the day, uh, Blaze Mesa made his first appearance. And then uh, I think up until 50 something. Uh, he was a co-host until, and then that switched off um, to James Jefferson and now to uh, Kobe Marcio, who was on the show, and then Solo. So the real OG, if you may say, is Blaze Mesa. Um, and we got together last Tuesday, talked some DePaul basketball, which I just finished discussing, and then we talked some uh, dodgeball, in which I am playing for the dodgeball team here at DePaul, um, and I have a lot of fun with it, and I think we're going to Nationals in April in Columbus, um, I think, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but regardless, I talked about DePaul Dodgeball, DePaul uh, Dodgeball strategies, and just talking talking the shoot with uh, Blaze Mesa. So this is it. This is the pre-recording last Tuesday from last Tuesday with Blaze Mesa talking DePaul basketball. Um, thank you to our uh, DePaul Dodgeball. I don't know why I keep saying DePaul basketball. But to Paul Dodgeball, talking to Paul Dodgeball uh, with Blaze Mesa, um, thank you to WCRX 88.1 Columbia College Radio uh, for hosting this podcast, helping us host it, um, as it was though recorded here in the studios, um, it was on behalf of WCRX, so here it is, pre-recording with myself, Noah Fastestine, and Blaze Mesa. You're listening to 5.3 Sports on 88.1 WCRX. I'm here with
3: the host of Monday Madness Sports Talk on Radio DePaul Sports, Noah Festenstein. But I'm in your studio, Noah. I'm in a I'm in a whole new place here. This is quite the setup you guys got.
1: Yeah, it's a good setup. Right here on uh, 1 East Jackson, it is the uh, building with the Barnes & Noble. So it's you know, a pretty good spot, like a nice cozy spot. To sit down, relax, and talk some sports.
3: These are nice chairs, though. I know no one can see this, and I know it makes for terrible audio, but these are very nice chairs. Um, but I'm not here to talk to you about chairs, although we could. We could. You want it? If you want to play, if you talk about musical chairs, or we could play musical chairs. How do you do that with two? Oh, we, you would take one away. Okay, know. that's how musical chairs works. I don't know. Um, no, I'm you're. Just, I- um, but I am curious, because we were talking the other day and you're a you're a dodgeball guy. You're on a yeah, dodgeball team here.
1: Yes, so DePaul dodgeball, uh, besides, you know, Columbia having a Quidditch team, yes, DePaul has a dodgeball team and I am a part of it. Okay. Uh, I just had practice last night, every Monday and Thursday night. I uh just at nine thirty, you know, dodge some balls, throw some balls, catch some balls. I'm a catcher. So I try to put up my five six frame. Uh, for people to throw directly at me and that's I think the very good thing about my size is that when you're playing dodgeball, if you know the rules of dodgeball, if you hit a person with a ball, um they're out if you catch a ball it's a you know it's a win-win situation they get out and you send another person in. so I try to abide by that win-win situation and train myself to be a catcher um, and with my five six size it's easy for me because it's hard to hit me when I'm a smaller person and it's also harder to uh, to throw it into the spot where I can't catch it. Okay, here's my
3: biggest question. Have you seen the movie Dodgeball? Yes. Okay, so there's mean? the five Ds of Dodgeball. Yes. Dodge,
1: duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Yes. Is, are, is, that, is that what you live by on the uh, Dodgeball team? I mean, hey, that was part of the movie, and we'll make fun of it as much as possible in terms of the dodgeball. I abide more if you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. That's that's the, the better that's the better, that's the better strategy. Like that's the be- it's not really a strategy; it's a mindset. And I don't um, even know if it's a mindset. I think it's something you physically have to do. If a wrench <laughs> is flying at you. I had to I had to dodge knives in order to train for dodgeball. That's a good thing to dodge. Yeah. Very comparable. You know, if if you get hurt with the Wait, knife, aren't you, a you catcher? know, catcher.
3: How do you practice catching?
1: Uh, that that information is confidential. Okay, that's cool. I'm that's messing. that's the secret. That's no. <laughs> But in all seriousness, um, there's guys on this team who can who can throw 65, 70 miles an hour. A
3: dodgeball, that a dodge fast? Ball, so like a latex dodgeball? We're talking yes. like the, the. But
1: but like they they don't throw. Some of them don't throw it overhand. They like have like that softball underhand, underhand throw, which is actually really effective because um, on a fastball, um, I actually I don't throw it that hard. I try not to throw it that hard. I actually try to throw the ball with movement. Oh, so there's a grip you use? So there's a certain grip that I use in the ball, and. With that grip, it allows me to curve it. It allows me to throw a screwball. I know how to throw a screwball with a a dodgeball. But my favorite throw is the 12-6 curveball. So in baseball, why it's called a 12-6 curveball is because on the top of the zone, of course, 12 o'clock, then down to the 6, it goes straight down. down. So it starts at 12 and it ends at 6. And the hardest kind of ball to catch in dodgeball or to block in dodgeball with your ball is a low shot. So I try to throw my 12-6 curveball down to the legs, or a slider that slides in. Also, there's this huge thing that is in dodgeball, a strategic way that you always need to be wary of, is called crosses. Um, Now, people are more aware of the dodgeball court that you cannot pass the halfway line, but this, in, in professional competitive dodgeball, it's actually not the midpoint line, but there's a line that's past the midpoint line that's like what five feet away that you can cross that you can't cross. You can cross the midpoint line. So you got an extra So five basically feet. what that what that does is it allows a team to be controlling on offense. Like if they have more amount of dodgeballs on their end of the court, they can they push can, back into a they smaller can push, area. They can push the opponents back with that. So whoever yeah. can push those opponents back has the advantage of that moment. Um, so my strategy is is to cross the ball. So once people are crossing that plane, I will meet them up on a on a on an angle that they cannot see me from perception, and I'll just throw it at them. A... But, but they, you... they 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 always look left. Like good good dodgeball players, always always must be aware of their surroundings. Do no they matter... always, Do they always look left though, or is it just a rookie mistake? Always looking at well, the. Left I mean, here. yeah. I mean, uh, the 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 biggest rookie mistake is not looking at all, like you you'd be so focused on one person at one point to get them out and it's hard not to get them out um it's hard to get them out when other people are like looking at you at the same time and you don't know that like you don't know if you're, if a ball is going to come to you and you have to be ready for that and it's, especially for me as a catcher i actually just give balls away when I get balls, sometimes you I'll carry two, awesome. and then I'll I'll, I'll hand a ball off to a, uh, a teammate, and they'll take it from there. Um, I still can throw. I can throw at least 50 miles an hour. At least um, I know that because I used, I used, I, used wow. I used to pitch 70 miles an hour in, in baseball. So I've lost that touch over the years well it's a bigger ball so but probably, it's a big yeah. well yeah it's also a bigger ball
3: um different grip so i'm curious if two people are in the middle zone at the same
1: time from opposing yeah teams, they can, can play you
3: tag him with the ball or then yeah with the but ball? it's very risky it's very risky. oh well,
1: how's it cause you have can... to you have to have the ball needs to have a release like the ball needs to be in the air and hit someone in order for them to be out
3: oh so you can't play tag
1: no 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 and that'll, that'll be a stupid str- strategy considering if you try to tag someone someone else can come up from behind and And tag you and get you yeah exactly um so what's what i've learned so far being a part of this dodgeball club is a lot of different strategies in terms of uh getting other people out and being patient um i think patience is key sometimes because you gotta wait for your right moments um team throws are big if there's one guy or two guys on the other end of the court and you got like five guys on your team with a ball you all throw it at the same time to make sure that if one person's like I try to throw the ball where I think the uh, the opponent's going to try to dodge towards. Like if let's say the opponent is sitting center court or standing center court, and they I th- I know that they're going to move left to dodge it. I'm going to throw it to their left side, and my perception is the right side. I'm going to throw it to that side, knowing that they're going to go that way. I found so much success doing that because. Well, how do you know which way they're going to go? Do you scout? I I, film? I I I study their body language. No, I'm not joking. Like this is like something that I've trained myself to do, not just in dodgeball, but in all sports and in life. Like I'm very good at reading body language, and I know which direction that they you know who's you know who's a left jumper, huh? And I also can study the way that people dodge a ball. A lot of people dodge balls by jumping or crouching. I like to crouch sometimes. I jump a lot. I jump a lot in very close knit situations because I know that they're not going to throw it high because I'm small. They're going to throw it lower. Because you know that's more than likely where they're gonna be able to successfully hit me, and I just jump up, spread my legs like uh, I'm a jumping, I don't know, whatever, like a starfish, like a starfish, yeah, all extremities, yeah. Well, that's of course if I'm not carrying a ball, but um, that seems dangerous. No, well, the most dangerous thing is when a guy can that can throw so hard and you have a ball in your hand this happened to me two weeks ago i had a ball in my hand the guy who throws 70 miles an hour throws a ball at me within like 20 feet i block it with the ball but when i block it blocked it with my ball it ricocheted back towards me i wasn't out but the ball like kept going and it bent my pinky finger back and jammed it and it's been hurting ever since well it's better now but i think i i sh- i probably sprained it because it was swelling afterwards but i mean i'll take the pain like i, I like i abide and i've i abided by this notion in wrestling too when i wrestled for seven years is i'd rather take the pain than the loss
3: and in- interesting
1: and you, that's why I'm a catcher in dodgeball is because you take I put my no I put myself in front, I put myself in the line of fire, because I know that only good things I I, I know that's the only thing that's the only time I can make good things happen. Is that is I like, even die? a good thing to say though? That's the only time you can make good things happen. Is that well it? because it puts me in a vulnerable spot for people to want to throw it to me. Like, a lot of my teammates know I'm a good catcher. They're not going to want to throw it to me, but I want to – like, sometimes – here's a good example. Like, I I go in – so, my opponent has the ball, and he wants to throw it to me. Like, he's gunning for me. So, I'm like, okay, I'll pretend not to pay attention to you, but I really am. Like, you're my number one priority. Uh, I know you want to throw it to me. Side eye. So – and I have really good depth perception. Like, my eye doctor was like, damn, Noah, you got some good perception. (laughs) No joke. He actually said that. Um, But – I would, I would, I would, I would deke towards like the left side. Let's say if my, the guy's on the right, I would, I would throw the ball in my hand. And usually when you throw the ball, that's your like split second time where like I'm focused on something else. I'll pretend that I'm like actually throwing the ball. And when the guy realizes that I'm in that position, that vulnerable position to be hit, he's going to throw the ball right to me. I drop the ball. I turn to the ball and I catch it. Fake him out. I fake him out.
3: Okay. Um, so I'm curious. So You're putting yourself in the line of fire as a catcher. they are probably then
1: throwers, or what other positions are there? Then? There's not really positions. It's just like your skill set. Like, if you're a catcher, you start catching when people start getting out. Because you know once you make a catch... You get them back in. You're going to so get them back in. You're not a catcher, though. It's not like you start the game I'm and you run thrower. out. And- I, I, I'm really good. I'm really accurate. With my- Yesterday in practice, I think I was a throwing day for me, because I, I got a lot of people out um, on crosses, and... Uh, low throws. I'm really good with my low throws because of my height. Is I'm very good at uh, throwing straight into where I wanted to throw. I had a good couple fastball throws. Um, I've been practicing my underhand, but my underhand's too risky, I think, at this point of my career in terms of dodgeball. <laughs> um, just slinging it. So, just okay, slinging it, yeah. Be honest
3: with me. The people who stand behind you, the catcher, they're weak, right? They're weak-minded, right? They can't take it. Ah, Depends. Say, you can say it. You're out there. They're hiding behind
1: you. you, you... Mm, no, they're just waiting for the moment. That's all. Are they better throwers than you then? A lot of the throwers on the team that are better throwers than me are more confident throwers than me because they throw more often. Okay. I don't throw more often because I always fear getting caught because I feel like my speed, my velocity is enough. That's why I throw a lot of curveballs is because th- those are harder to, to catch mm-hmm. and they're also harder to perceive because – um, you know that's just the way it goes sometimes sometimes I'll just stand up and and behind a like yesterday I had one out where I was standing behind a guy who's the same height as me and this guy threw it to the guy in front of me and didn't realize I was behind him and right when he was throwing it I just popped up and threw it right above his head and got him out easy um, you got to wait for those kinds of moments you got to wait for the moments that your opponent is most vulnerable um, and I try not to waste a throw because if I waste a then they're going to either catch it or it's just a wasting uh, a possession of the ball.
3: Okay. So then what is your biggest moment? Because it could be a comeback. It could be when you knocked out four of the whatever players in dodgeball. What's the one moment you need to highlight here?
1: Uh, there was a couple catches I made last week in which – and actually I made this catch yet late yesterday – um, where I actually dive for catches like I risk being out just Is it a to hardwood
3: dive. floor there? And going? it's a hardwood
1: floor. You... Like I, I like I late like, yeah, nice. I I rolled Oof. my ankle my left ankle and I had to take pain medication this morning just to like make it feel better. Um like like I said I'll I'll take the pain for the out that's just the type of person pain I am. Apparently, that? not a lot of people are like that. I also am in MMA, so like I obviously... was. That make that started to make so, like, a little like, more sense. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, as a fighter, as a um a guy who's also wrestled for seven years, like you know how to take the pain and like work through it. Like I broke an ankle in volleyball and I. How recovered. did you
3: break an ankle in
1: volleyball? I did went you... up for I went up for a spike what? freshman year and was this gym volleyball. Uh, yeah, I was trying
3: oh, hard. Oh no! Oh no! Did your ankle <laughs> just? I don't actually. I don't want to get into it. I'm assuming. I heard
1: enough. You jumped, and it came down. And it no, I don't think you oh. heard enough. No, I don't. Oh, gosh. It was on Valentine's Day, too. It sucks. Wow, what a day. I woke up in the hospital with, like, hearts all around me, like, hearts hanging from the ceiling. I'm like, what's going on? Paper hearts, right? Not, like, yeah, paper patients hearts. who didn't make it? No. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> paper hearts. Okay, got gotcha. Okay, paper, paper hearts. hearts. Not okay. real hearts. Not, yeah. I made it sound weird, but, yeah, you're right. Paper hearts. <laughs> so then your, your greatest moment in dodgeball. My though. greatest moment in dodgeball was... My career was um, actually in the summer camp that I was a part of when I was thirteen. Yeah, no, twelve years old. About that was so like were, a year before my bar okay, mitzvah. Like That's how family. I remember it. Is I was in the summer camp and we would like have a ton of fun. Like you know. Was, playing, we yep. like dodgeball was the main game, but like we played softball on the all field. All these summer camp games, and like yeah. just all these summer camp. It's like it was a sports camp that like oh, okay. like we would just yeah. go and play sports. I got gotcha. you. And the biggest sport was dodgeball. We played this one game in dodgeball where, um, and as kids, our throwing velocity isn't as good as what it would be now. Um, but you would have to. A way to win was to throw um, a ball. All the way across the court and into the basket, and if you get into the basket, your oh, team automatically automatic
3: wins. Automatic win. I Which, remember those days. So,
1: so, what's interesting about that is you can also get everybody on the opposing team and still win. But like when you throw the ball and attempt to throw it at the basket, you make my, yourself vulnerable to get hit because you're trying to put yourself at the mid court to throw the ball across court to have like your more likely chance to get it in. Yeah. But and I did that, and so the moment for me was the best moment of my dodgeball career was um, I went up to the mid-court line and we were down, I was the only player on the court against seven others. Oh, so a desperate time. So change. a desperate time. So I had to make, I had to make the shot. Like this is like
3: maximum pressure.
1: Maximum pressure. So I went up to the midcourt line. I'm like, what? This is like my only chance. I'm gonna well, have to throw it and make a catch. And
3: you make this throw, like you're out if you miss because yeah. you got seven guys gunning for you.
1: Yeah. So this act, this actually play is actually a very controversial kind of play. Is so what happened was I went up to the midcourt line, and I threw the ball to the basket. Like I, I just made one final heap. I didn't even look. And all of a sudden, I get hit with the dodgeball right after I throw it. Like, clearly after I throw it. Like, everyone, like, saw that I threw the ball. But it's in, it's in the air. It's in the air. I get hit, so I'm out. So, basically, if the ball doesn't get in the basket, we lose. Game over. And all, all I remember after is getting up off the ground and my teammates just dogpiling me because the ball went in. But if, so if, you, if you got hit, are you technically out right when you get hit? I, right when I get hit, but the ball was already in the air. What was the ruling? Did you? No, <laughs> the ruling is we won. Oh, you won. We won the game. Wow! And I made the I made the half court shot with with the dodgeball at twelve years old. That was like my shining dodgeball I don't moment. don't think ever If you want true. my shining dodgeball moment for DePaul basketball, it's got to be a couple of these diving catches that I've had. I mean, like diving catches that no one probably on my team would ever attempt to do. And if like, or e- even if they attempt to do it, they feel like they probably wouldn't even make that catch. You're you're a madman. That's so you're like to
3: scrape knees.
1: No, come on! I had so many scrapes knees in wrestling oh. and everything, like rock burn and everything. Like, come on, dude! Scraped knees are come That's on. I passed. I've passed that hurdle of not liking sca- uh, scraped knees. We're good. Got to take the risk. Like I said, I abide by the notion of I'd rather take the pain than the loss because. I know that through the pain that I went through for the win, um, that I did something right, and that's a lot of MMA fighters' mentalities because they they train themselves to get hit. I've trained myself to get hit. Um, I don't, of course, don't like pain like anybody else. Who, um, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, it, you sometimes got to make those risks, and I, I feel like that's a metaphor to life too. It's like,
2: no. if you
1: don't go through the pain in life like if you don't have that sense of pain i feel like you're not living life from a mental standpoint and from a physical standpoint i feel like having an emotional like like you go through maybe phases of your life where you're just not as emotionally healthy or not as physically healthy and i feel like through those experiences you learn most about yourself than any other time in your life
3: that's yeah, how you come up come oh wow Great words. It's how you come back from it and all that. Exactly. And
1: like a lot of MMA fighters like go through that is because they go through mental, uh, you know, especially in weight cutting, like mentally, that's damaging. Physically, that's damaging. Because it really, really takes out your abilities in terms of like you, you're. Sometimes you can't drink water and you're dehydrated and you're going to match. I had to cut down ten pounds for a one thirty two oh match in gosh. senior in high school, and I wasn't even hydrated during my match and I lost in the second round to a guy who I should have won to because I was dehydrated. You hadn't eaten or drinking in like four days. I okay. ate a Cliff Bar that day. That was it. That was literally it. Wrestling is crazy. And yeah. wrestling is crazy. And I, I really. I, I really do regret that moment and like the way I cut that weight. But at the same time, it's like going through life. You know, you you'll take the pain mentally and physically, but through that experience of of that pain, you learn something about yourself. Something about yourself that you probably never thought you'd learn in your life because you can endure it. You learn that you can endure this kind of pain. And that you can do it again at another point in your life when you need that when you need to endure that pain most. Yeah. Thank you, Blaze, for uh, having me on once again, and uh, best of luck to you and all of your endeavors here throughout the rest of college and uh, life. Even though I probably will see you very soon.
3: Yeah, you, you probably will. Thanks again, Noah, and best of luck at nationals.
2: Good ah! Broadcasting live from our new state of the art studio in downtown Chicago. It's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Devils.
1: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. This is Noah Festenstein live. This time, I am currently live from One East Jackson, Chicago, Illinois, the DePaul Center, where the Barnes Noble is right in the middle. Stop by the glass. I had a couple friends stop by the glass during that little break here while you guys were listening to the pre-recording and taking pictures of me in the, in the window, just being weird. Uh, but, yeah, you guys can do that, too. Just be weird. Um, but uh, I thought that that interview with Blaze Nassau was a lot of fun. Um, talking about DePaul uh, dodgeball. I almost did it again. I even did it during the podcast. I said DePaul basketball instead of DePaul dodgeball, and I just keep messing that up. Uh, maybe I'm just too in tune with DePaul basketball whatnot and it makes me forget sometimes about DePaul dodgeball um but yeah it was a great interview um and I thought that that ending little segment there kind of like talking about I mean the metaphor to life if you may say like you know you play a sport you you have to do even when you work out and you go through that pain of working out the payoff is is worth it at the end. And that's why people work out is because the payoff is good. It makes you feel good about yourself and your body. And it makes you feel good about yourself as a person. Um, and going through that pain, through that experience helps a lot. And I go through that in every single sport I play, especially dodgeball, you know, making diving catches, putting myself in the line of fire, putting myself at risk of getting out for the betterment of my team. And going into and throwing yourself into that position is uh, quite um, a challenge for I think anybody but uh, once that challenge has been met, uh, it becomes easier. It, it, that that challenge becomes easier every single time you do it, um, and I think that's just a testament to life. And I just think that's a cool, um, just a cool way to think about things. Um, all right, it's 12 o'clock. It is uh, time to remind you guys you are listening to Monday Matters Sports Talk right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. I'm going to take you guys to a very, very quick break, but then when I come back, I'm going to do a very brief segment on hockey, and then I'm going to talk some UFC. So we got 30 minutes left here on the program today. Looking forward to it all here on Monday Mass Sports Talk, the student voice here uh, here on Money Mess Sports like here on Radio fall Sports the student voice of your Pablo Demons. We'll see you in a bit.
0: It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table which quickly becomes two. There's pool oh. and there's the photo booth.
3: Alright everybody squeeze in. Say cheese!
0: Followed naturally by an order of wings and another
3: Can we get some extra ranch sauce?
0: Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed, could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
1: Oh, Welcome in to Monday Madness Sports Talk, your award winning radio show starting off the week right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
2: Broadcasting live from our new state of the art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
1: Welcome back to Monday Matter Sports Talk, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Bringing me into this one is Be Right There, the Boombox Cartel Remix by Diplo and Sleepy Tom. Going to be playing this one on Noah and Night tonight. Not tonight. Thursday night. (laughs) From 11 to midnight on the Radio DePaul stream. So let's get it going with some hockey standings. Going to talk the standings update and maybe some a little bit about Chicago Blackhawks. Probably spend like seven minutes on this. So let's get it going. The Central Division, let's start it off. Actually, you know what? Not the Central Division. We're going to actually postpone that until I talk to the Blackhawks. But let's start out in the Eastern Conference Atlantic Division, where the Boston Bruins are holding a first-place spot by seven points above the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are the best team in the league. And Boston with a 41-13-12 record. The most amount uh, of—actually, is that? It's the fourth most amount of overtime losses in the league for the Boston Bruins, but still very good amount of points for them, putting them in the lead for the President's Cup trophy that is given to the best team in the league during the regular season. All right, the Tampa Bay Lightning, 87 points. Maple Leafs, 78 points, and then the Florida Panthers at 73 points. Those are your wild, uh, that that's your really, your playoff contending teams so far. And then you got below that, the Montreal Canadiens at 69 points, Sabres at 66, the Senators at 12, and of course, the worst team in the league still is the Red Wings at 35 points. That's literally between the Ottawa Senators at 7th place in the Atlantic Division Um, that's a 23-point difference between the Senators and Rutterings, who are the worst team in the league. That's, that's, That's terrible. Um, Metropolitan Division, the Washington Capitals, 86 points. The Philadelphia Flyers at 83. 80 points are the Penguins. 78 points are the Islanders. And then the Blue Jackets, Hurricanes, Rangers, and Devils finish off the list bottom to top. So, um, with the playoff contention in terms of the NHL, I'm looking at the Carolina Hurricanes- and the Columbus Blue Jackets there um, to maybe beat off the Carolina, uh, the Florida Panthers who are at 73 points um, and are looking for a playoff spot um, because the last wild card playoff um, team um, doesn't have to be in the same division. Uh, it could just be three teams from one division and five teams from another division who are better because it's top three in each division make the playoffs, and then the wild card teams or the top two teams left in that conference. So the top two teams right now would be the uh, New York Islanders and the Columbus Blue Jackets at 78 points apiece. That is tied with the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. So that is the Eastern Conference right there. Let's look at the Western Conference, the Pacific Division. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are at first place with 80 points. Just above four points. Above is the Edmonton Oilers at 76. The Calgary Flames at 75. The Vancouver Canucks at 74. Then looking down from that, Phoenix Coyotes 72. Sharks 60, Ducks 60, and the Kings are at 56. Now looking at the Central Division, where the uh, Blackhawks are, the St. Louis Blues at 88 points. Uh, actually, yeah, so that that makes them the the second-best team in the league, uh, are the Stanley Cup defending champions. St. Louis Blues, 88 points. Colorado Avalanche, 85. Dallas Stars at 81. And then the National Predators at 72, tied up with the Winnipeg Jets at 72, alongside the Minnesota Wild at 71. And the Blackhawks are at 66. So being that said... Six games behind a potential playoff spot. But with the Nashville Predators being the last team in that wild card spot, they have 72 points. Look at the Pacific Division. You got the Vancouver Canucks at 74, the Phoenix Coyotes at 72. So you got teams that the Blackhawks need to fit, you know, play up against in order to squeeze into a wild card spot. But even that sounds extremely slim for this Blackhawks team. And last week, if you didn't hear my show, I said literally an hour before the trade got announced that the Blackhawks should trade for a third-round draft pick with a guy like Eric Gustafson. Guess what they did an hour later. Eric Gustafson goes to the Calgary Flames for a third-round, 2020 third-round draft pick. Exactly how it should have been. And I saw so many people on social media be like, fire Stan Bowman, fire Stan Bowman. But the narrative right now on Stan Bowman is extremely unhealthy. Like, obviously, uh, people are still butthurt about Joe Cranville being fired. I understand that. But, when you're thinking about the future of this Blackhawks team, you're going to have to make sacrifices in order to get the best case scenario. And in this scenario, the best case scenario was this third round draft pick. And that's an early draft pick. Anyone could be picked in the top five rounds and become a superstar. I don't care. You got an extra pick in the draft for the Blackhawks from a guy like Eric Gustafson, who honestly the Blackhawks don't need. They don't. Um... They also didn't need Laner. Of course, Laner, Robin Laner, who um, got traded to the Las Vegas Golden Knights for Malcolm Subban, who is uh, PK Subban's little brother who plays goalie. Um, He was backup to Marc Andre Fleury. But I think Subban now is going to get more opportunity with this Blackhawks team, in which he's going to have to back up Corey Crawford, who's probably not going to be able to play every so often because um, they're watching out for injuries. So I'm I'm guessing this is going to be a 50 50 split for the rest of the season between Subban and Crawford. Um, So I like that a lot giving away players for maybe future reference, and the Blackhawks also got a trade or uh, um a draft pick from that. So, like, draft picks, draft picks, draft picks. You know, looking for the future players for this Blackhawks team uh, is the utmost importance, and uh, I'm not worried. And at this point of the season, when you, you look at the Blackhawks being in the last place of the Central Division, it's time for them to kind of, like, maybe throw in the towel and say, hey, let's make sure guys stay healthy, um and you know plan ahead, plan ahead for this draft that's coming up. Um, so with that being said, I, I I'm 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 content. I'm not disappointed. These were the expectations for me with the with the season. With the as the NHL started, I was like the Blackhawks are probably not going to make the playoffs, but they better set up themselves, um, so that they can not have too long of a rebuild. I feel like they're in that rebuilding so stage. And uh, the biggest pieces, and I've said it time and time again, the biggest pieces in this rebuilding uh, era of this Blackhawks team are those guys who were on those championship teams in terms of Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tays, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, et cetera, you know, and Corey Crawford, and now you know Malcolm Subban's coming on the team um, to mentor these guys. And be inspirations, be uh, be influencers, so that your young guys who are coming up and want to, you know, find success with this Blackhawks team, they're gonna have to find some influence from the from your guys like Patrick Kane. Of course, Patrick Kane, the best American hockey player to ever live, no joke, best United States hockey player to ever live. I'm, i That's I'm not gonna argue that. Like, like that's that's my take. You know, Patrick Kane, keeping him at bay at the Chicago Blackhawk for the sake of our future players is very important. So um, I'm very excited to see what this Blackhawks team is going to do this off season in terms of for agents, maybe some trades, and then, of course, the draft, um, and then see where they can go until next season, maybe in the next couple of years. Um, but right now it's not an ideal time for the Blackhawks to be a playoff team. They don't have a playoff team. They have playoff talent, but they don't have a playoff team. Um, and that's the problem and it's a team. And when we were watching the Blackhawks become a dynasty in, uh, this past decade, uh, was they played as a team and they had great players to collectively to help that be the case. And it led them to, um, a lot of success. Okay. So that is uh, hockey for you right there. And then we will be going into some MMA UFC when I come back. Talk some UFC 248 and this past weekend because a lot to unpack from this fight night from this past weekend that I really want to talk about. You are listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Noah Fasson, and I will be back in just a bit. Stay tuned.
2: Hey, it's dude your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice. To Paul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim. Goes up. Gets it to fail and one. Oh, Max Drew springs down the house.
0: Radio DePaul Sports. You're home for Blue Demon basketball.
1: Max Struis curling right side. Drills oh a jumper. Nice. See what Struess does. He looks
2: like he wants to shoot. I was kinda hoping he would pull up there. And one. Floater was wet. Struce is loose. Struis Curl. Three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness.
1: Struess on the other end. Gets it to fall and one. Now up top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figaro on him. Nice oh, move. Quick move. Wow. Out of oh, control.
2: Oh my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. Max he finished off Struz. class. That is a new career high for Max Struce. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student
1: voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are currently listening to your Radio DePaul Sports award-winning radio show, Monday Manis Sports Talk, awarded for best use of social media and nominated for best overall show. Always online with Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Streaming from Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your Paul Blue Demons. Broadcasting
2: live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
1: Welcome back to Monday Mass Sports Talk, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Bringing me into this one is Runaway with you and I. Dylan Francis, Glantis, every all the artists, bringing that. I'm gonna be bringing that song on Noah a night this Thursday night from 11 to midnight on the radio DePaul stream. If you have not done it yet, I have yet to actually mention it on the show today, which I'm surprised by. But if you have yet to do so, please download that Radio DePaul app. It is your one-stop shop for all things you need to listen to your favorite college radio station in Radio DePaul. It is everything you need for the Radio DePaul stream and even here, the Radio Paul sports stream. So please download the Radio DePaul app on your smartphone today. Okay, time to get into some UFC. Got a lot to unpack from this uh, Friday, uh, Saturday night and a lot to talk about for this upcoming fight night on Saturday. Oh, man, I can't wait. This is like my favorite time of the show sometimes is talking UFC because I know that I'm going to absolutely go off. So it's time to go off. So let's do it. We, I, I want to talk about some fights from Fight Night 169, which happened this past weekend. It was a um, a main invite, fight between Joseph Benavidez and Davison Figueiredo. Um, so, i will get to that fight soon, because it's very frustrating. But I'll explain that more in depth in a couple seconds here. But let's start off with a more interesting, uh, with this interesting main card fight. First of all, uh, I want to talk about this preliminary card fight between this guy I've never heard of before, Luis Pena against Steve Garcia. Luis Pena got the got the win, but the storyline behind that one is that he met his biological brother. He's adopted, and he was able to firsthand meet his biological brother for the first time this past Tuesday. So four days later, Luis Pena has to fight in the UFC after he meets his biological brother, in which he embraced after his UFC win which is, I think, one of the best storylines from this past weekend Uh, in Fight Night 169 was the Luis Pena, um, you know, meeting his biological brother. That was amazing. Kind of brings, you know, joy to your heart when you see that. Um, Let's talk about this main card. Megan Anderson versus Norma Dumont, a women's featherweight fight that has title implications, I I think. Um, Even though these fighters are unranked, Megan Anderson has proven that she can uh, be put up and first of all, she's going to be ranked after this fight, no, no doubt. Second of all, is she ranked enough to be one fight or just a title fight away from being a champion? You know, I feel like I, I I'll tell I'll, I'll, I'll explain more about that theory in a couple seconds. Because um, there's another women's featherweight fight that was between Felicia Spencer, and uh, I've never heard of this name before, but it's Zara dos Santos. Um, Felicia Spencer, easy round one knockout win as expected, at least from my point of view, I think Felicia Spencer is underrated sometimes. And I think she's got a great fighting style that I think should compete against a, a woman like Megan Anderson. Um, I think that Megan Anderson should fight Felicia Spencer in a, and a fight night main event in which that fight should constitute who fights Amanda Nunez next for the featherweight title. Cause both of those fighters, because first of all, the, a Twitter, uh, it happened on Twitter right after this event happened was between Megan Anderson and Felicia Spencer was that um, current ch- champion Amanda Nunez tweeted to both of these fighters saying, how how did, how did this process go? So first of all, when Megan Anderson won, she tweeted out, looking at you, Amanda Nunez. And then Amanda Nunez <laughs> responds saying, okay, I see you with a phone emoji. And then right when Felicia Spencer wins, she uh, Amanda Nunez tweets, Sorry, I got a call on the other line, which I think is hilarious because um, Felicia Spencer definitely, to me, I feel like, has a bit more to her to fight someone like Amanda Nunez. But Megan Anderson proved against Norma Dumont, who is a great fighter herself, that... She's worthy as well, which I think is a reason why Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson should fight in a Fight Night main event to determine whether or not Amanda Nunez, who, 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 who should he, she fight next. Um, that, that's going to be an interesting fight. Um, and also, the timeline fits perfectly. Two of these fighters fought on the same night, and now they can be matched up, and they can prepare them in, what, two or three months they'll fight, and then in five months they'll probably fight Amanda Nunez. So... That mine fits, but maybe Amanda Nunez deserves something else. I don't know. But let's continue with this uh, event because I want to talk about this light heavyweight matchup between Ion Kudalaba and Magomed Ankulaev. Um This fight, if you didn't see on SportsCenter, they posted about it. It was at before this fight as um, uh, I keep forgetting his name. But, oh, yeah, Bruce Buffer. I don't know how I keep forgetting Bruce Buffer's name. He's a legend. Um, Bruce Buffer, when he was announcing the fighter's name, when he was announcing Ian Kutalaba's name, Kutalaba, like Conor McGregor does sometimes, he steps up to the middle of the octagon, puts his arms up in his wingspan position like, yo, come at me. And then, um, but instead of doing that alone, he literally goes up to Ankalaev and tries to, like, start something with him. I don't know. I've never seen this happen before a fight is someone is like security having to break these guys up. Come on. You guys are about to fight in 30 seconds and Kudelaba comes up to Akalayev and tries doing and and tries causing beef with him before the fight. I didn't even think that this fight would have had beef beforehand. I didn't think that these guys had beef between each other before this fight until that, that happened. And I was like, oh, wow, we're in for a good fight. Like, I was really excited after that happened. But what happened was, 38 seconds into round one, Ankolaev was throwing um, a lot, uh, uh, just a slew of, of left hands and right hands that caught the attention of um, the referee. I forgot his name, but it was not a good uh, stoppage call. Kutulaba was not knocked out. He wasn't even fading. He was slowing down because of those uh, fast slew of punches. But um, Kut- the, the fight was stopped prematurely, and Kutulaba lost, and he was furious after the fight. And I think that this type of fight should be thrown back because two of these fighters are great fighters, and that was a great fight to start off. That was like a very action-packed 38 seconds right there that uh, I think should be replayed again. Okay, let's look at the flyweight main event. Figueiredo. Man. How are you overweight two and a half pounds for a title fight? How? That's impossible. I said this a couple weeks ago for this one woman who was who overweight five pounds for a fight. It wasn't a title fight, but how are you overweight five pounds? But for a title fight, for a title fight, mind you, you're a professional fighter. You are overweight two and a half pounds. I understand flyweights the, the 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 lightest division and it's hard especially those guys look like they're sucking fat out of their bodies because they're just so skinny and they're so fit and like they have to like do everything in their power to reach under 125 but when you're a professional fighter you have to commit to that you have to commit being underweight and so the consequence for Figueredo um who um was overweight has to forfeit 30% of his winnings to Benavidez, and since it's a, a, a title fight, Figueroa, being overweight, cannot win the belt. The only way a belt would be given out on Saturday night was to Joseph Benavidez, in which Joseph Benavidez lost the fight. And I was saying he needs to win this fight for one big reason, and that big reason was to save the flyweight division, and he could not do that. Figueredo put up a great fight. Joseph Benavidez did it. It was a fantastic fight that went into round two. Uh, and I, I was a lot, it was an action packed flyweight fight that I really wish had title implications on both ends, but it just did it. Figueredo didn't even have a problem with it. He, he was like loose and everything. He didn't have a problem being, not being handed the belt last night. I'm like, that's two and a half pounds away. You could have been a champion. Two and a half pounds. I, 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 I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. Um, so, figure eight hundred one, the belt becomes vacant. So, no one holds a flyweight belt. So, if there's one fighter that won Saturday night, it's Henry Cejudo, obviously, because Henry Cejudo, who had to vacate the belt as the previous flyweight champion, now has an excuse to say, "Well, hey, I, <laughs> I wasn't overweight when I came in, and I won, I won, I won the belt. Um, now, I feel like." Uh, he can come down to the flyweight division and do it again. Um, but I think Figueroa and Benavidez, I think this fight should be replayed. I think Benavidez has every right in his career to have another title fight. And it, it broke my heart to to hear him after the fight just not happy about the outcome. And it I don't know. I, I just feel like that that it would have been much better circumstances if Benavidez won the fight. He just could not pull it off, he got knocked out. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for Fight Night 169. So let's move on to UST uh, 248, which is on Saturday. This Saturday at the T-Mobile Arena. it is middleweight main event, Israel Adesanya against Euro Romero. Israel Adesanya coming off of his uh, win against Robert Whitaker. That was in Australia um, in Whitaker's home base. But he could not pull it off as Israel Adesanya now is facing up against a beast. In your role, Romero, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a tough fight to predict. I got Israel Adesanya winning, cons- uh, all things considered. Um, I just don't think that Israel Adesanya is coming in expecting a lot from Romero, but I feel like he's underrating Romero going into this fight. Because um, Romero, like I just said, this guy is massive. He's got so much striking power, not got power that uh cannot got any kind of fighter if he lands properly. So Arizona Adesanya has got to be really careful about not stepping into uh, the way of just Romero's throws. And we'll see how that fares out here on Saturday night. Then we got a women's strawweight co-main co- event between L- Wiley Zing and Joanna Zajorczyk. Uh, uh just came off of her win um, against, uh, who was it? Who was it? Michelle, um, Michelle Watterson it was. Uh, and then Wiley Zhang coming off of her win against Andrade um, for the women's strawweight title. So now Zhang defending that title against uh, George Trick uh, should be a good fight. I'm excited for it. Um, I just want to see Wiley Zhang prove once again that she is the champion. Because uh, this this woman, if you if you watch the way she trains and you watch the way that she prepares for her fights, it's absolutely insane, dude. I mean, Wiley Zhang is an absolute beast. Um, a force to be reckoned with in the women's strawweight division in terms of being a champion. And now Jed Georgia coming in, challenging her. Uh, it's going to be a good fight. You got two great title fights there on Saturday night that should be looked forward to. And then you got a couple other good fights in the uh, main card. You got a seven fight main card. Actually, no, um, a six fight main card. Actually, uh, the first fight of the main card actually got canceled. Uh, it was Derek Brunson against Edmund Shabizen. That um, I don't know why that got canceled. So um, that's worth a Google search sometime soon. Um, but you got a couple of great welterweight fights that um, I might be writing about in my welterweight blog, The Welterweight In. Um, so putting that into regard, you got um, Alex Oliveira versus Max Griffin. And then you got another welterweight fight between Neil Magny and Lee Li Jing Liang. Um, and then you also got a lightweight bout between Banil Dariush and Drakkar Klosa. So some names that I'm not as familiar with in this card, but I mean the main, big main fights that I'm looking forward to is the women's strawweight and middleweight fights um, between Israel Santana and Yara Romero. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to these two welterweight fights because there hasn't been a lot of welterweight action going out recently in the UFC. And I think it's just about time for, um, some welterweight action to come back into fruition. And I think that, um, Alex Oliveira, he's an exciting fighter against a guy like Max Griffin, who's a pretty tough dog. Um, it's going to be some fun fights. I'm feeling I feel. I feel like Alex Oliveira and Max Griffin going to be the fight of the night. I'm going to predict that right now. I I. I think that's going to be a really good fight. And then you got Israel Adesanya and Raul Romero. That's a close second for the fight of the night candidate. I think Israel Adesanya is going to pull this one off. Also, Wiley's saying, I don't think there's going to be a new champion. um. But we'll see. We'll see what happens on Saturday night. I'm really excited to see how it fares out. And then looking a week later... Then next week, so a week from Saturday, we got a lightweight main event between Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira. I will be talking about that uh, next week when the time comes. And you also got a welterweight co main event between Damian Maya and Gilbert Burns. So a whole lot of welterweight action going on here. That's exciting stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun with my welterweight blog in the next couple weeks because you got a lot of fun fights. And you also got another fight on that card between Johnny Walker and Nikita Krylov. That's a fight night one seventy. That's a really good fight night. You got Johnny Walker fighting. You got Demi and Maya Gilbert Burns fighting. Kevin Lee fighting. That's a good fight night. So uh, looking forward to that. And then of course on March twenty first, you got Ty- Tyron Woodley against Leon Edwards. And then UFC on ESPN is going to make its way um, with Francis Ngannou and Jorginho Rosenstrike. So a lot of good fights. Look forward to. I'm extremely excited um, to see what happens in the next three weeks for the UFC and also very excited to see what happens in the next few weeks of Monday Mass Sports Talk. I was just thinking about it today, and there's what 12 episodes left, roughly. Yeah, of Monday Mass Sports Talk. This is it. I mean, being that this is episode 163, my projection is 175 as I'm graduating in June. So, uh, time's winding down and, um, just trying to embrace every last moment I have here, um, with this radio show, Money Mad Sports Talk and here at Radio Nepal, uh, you know, the amount of opportunities that I and uh, a lot of others here at Radio Paul Sports and Radio Paul are, uh, blessed to be given here is to do radio and, uh, it's a lot of fun and, um, getting connect, getting to connect with you, the listener, I, I think is just the-, the best thing about it, um, at least for me. Um, and also just sharing uh, content with you, which I do every single Monday here on Radio DePaul Sports with Monday Madness Sports Talk from 11 a.m. to 12.30. Every single Monday is the time. I will catch you guys on Thursday on the Radio DePaul stream. That is with Noah and Knight, um from 11 to midnight. I also have another sports talk show here at Radio DePaul Sports that is with Ben Dutrek. That is Action Heights every single wednesday from 4 30 to 5 so with that being said i am going to make my way out of the studio thank you so much for listening today it was a good one and i'm looking forward to 164 next week here on Rated to sports from 11 a.m to 12 30 Follow me on Instagram at NFESTIE97, that's at NFESTIE97, or Twitter at NFESTIE97, that's at NFESTY97 on Twitter. But for now, I will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening.